Last week we looked at the scattered strangers in verse 1. And secondly, the we began the sanctification of the Spirit. <clears throat> we read chapter 1, verse 1, about the scattered saints. Remember, they had scattered to Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And we looked at these very sometimes confusing, but yet important words like elect according to the foreknowledge of God. We defined election. We defined, we defined foreknowledge. We defined... Um, uh, we talked about the sanctification of the sprinkling of the blood. And so we want to continue working on what, what it means to be what it means to be sanctified. We, there's three different po uh, positions of sanctification. Sanctification is just a, a big word for meaning spiritual growth. It's a big word for spiritual growth. All of us should be growing. All of us should be growing our, in our spiritual life. There's three stages of sanctification. First of all, there's positional sanctification. You are saved. Amen. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, some, and such were some of you, but now you're washed. You are sanctified. Sanctified means set apart, holy, pure, sanctified, clean, washed. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So that's, that's your positional situation. That's, that's who you are right now. And nothing, nothing can take away that sanctification. That's your salvation. We don't believe you can lose your salvation. Once you have it, you can't lose it. Okay? You can't lose your salvation. Now, it's not based on feeling. Like some of you probably don't feel like you're, all, you're married all the time. Amen? Sometimes you might not even feel like you're alive. You wake up in the morning and say, where am I at? We ever woke up in the morning from a dream? You didn't even know where you were at or who you are? You had such a crazy dream, <laughs> but you are, you are sanctified or saved whether you feel like it or not. Salvation is not based on feeling. It's not, based on it's not even based on action. It's like a birth. Once a person is born, they're always born. That young lady, as long as she lives, will always be my daughter whether she likes it or not. She may change her name. She could change a lot of things about her, but she will always be Alethea, or actually she'll be Laylee to me, but we call her Alethea or Thea or wherever she wants to change it to. But we call her, she's my daughter. Can, nothing can change that. Nothing ever can change that. And once you're born again, nothing can change that. Nothing changes that. God, can, God can't change it. The devil can't change it. And you can't change it. See, friend, if you could do something, to, could you do anything to save yourself? No, it was God. Could you, anything, could you do anything to change your position in God? No. Now, obviously, you can change your rewards. You can change whether you're miserable or not. You can change your fellowship. Like, my fellowship with my daughter is based on her obedience and my love towards her. There's a relationship there. But it, once you're sanctified, you're always sanctified positionally. But there's secondly, as I looked at that verse, there's a progressive sanctification. There's a growth in the, in, the, in, the, in the life. It should be a growth in the, in the spiritual life. You've heard me quote 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory for both now and forever. Amen. You should be growing. If, uh, you've heard me say, if you're, not, if, you, if, you're, if you're not where you should be spiritually, where, what happened in your life to cause you to backslide? Now, Christians can backslide. 
I believe Christians can be carnal. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul was writing to a church that was carnal. They were divided. They were, they were involved in sin. We talked about it Sunday, the sin they were involved in. Uh, the, they were polluting the Lord's table. One of the members was having an incestuous relationship with their family member. They were divided about who is supposed to lead the church. So Paul wrote a very stern letter about, about their problems. They were, they were mixed up in spiritual gifts. So the church had all type of issues. They were carnal. They were struggling. They were struggling spiritually. We can get, we can, as Christians, you and I can do anything sinfully that the world does. Anything. Think about David, man after God's own heart. Did he sin? Yeah, he did. He committed adultery, killed a man, lied about it, tried to cover it up. And if he would have died in the midst of all that, he still wouldn't have went to heaven. Right? Amen or oh me? Am I right or am I wrong? Am I, it's either yay or nay. Moses killed a man, didn't he? <laughs> he looked both ways, killed him. Yeah, tried to hide it. <laughs> he couldn't hide it. You can't hide from God. You can't hide. He did that. Paul the apostle was right there with the stoning of Stephen. This was before his salvation, but he was there. He brought havoc of the church. You know, he was persecuting Christians. After he saved, he grew in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So our, our salvation is not only something positionally in the past, it's something in the present. We should be growing. How do you grow? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Don't read your Bible, don't pray every day, and you shrink, shrink, shrink. You see, that's a kid song. It's a reality, it's a real song, too. People who read their Bible and pray are growing in God. People who don't read their Bible and don't pray are not growing in God. It's simple as that. It's simple as that. Is that to the degree you read and heed and obey that book, you grow in God. To the degree you don't read, you don't heed, you don't grow, you don't grow in God. It's really as simple as that. If I don't eat for a while, I'm going to be in trouble. I probably could do without for a little while, but I don't want to. <clears throat> but you know what? If you're not eating, something's wrong. You're sick. And if you're not eating spiritually, something's wrong. You're sick. You're either not saved or you're backslidden. A Christian who's not regularly feeding on the Word of God is either not saved or backslidden. That's always the case. We say, well, preacher, I can't read. I know a good friend. I get ready to go see him probably in the next couple of days. He listened to the Bible. He would, he would work. He lived in Ostero. He would drive down to Marco Island. He, read, he listened to his Bible twice a year by just going down the road and listening to the Bible. He wasn't a very good reader, but he listened. Is that, does that, you see, preacher, does that count? Yeah, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you don't just have to read it. You say, I struggle with reading. Then listen to it. There's so many ways a day. There's really not an excuse for us as Christians not to read the Bible. There's really not an excuse. So there's positional sanctification. There's progressive sanctification. Then there's perpetual, eternal salvation for uh, we see here, it says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we're the sons of God, and doth not appear yet what we shall, but we, shall, but, we, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. It's that glorification. So you're saved in the past, you're growing in the present, 
and you're going to be glorified in the future. At the in a, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, at the rapture of the church, we'll be glorified and we'll be just like him. Now, what are some hindrances to sanctification? What are some hindrances to sanctification? Well, backsliding, as I mentioned, Psalm chapter 12, verse 1, oh, help, O Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of man. Satanic temptation. You ever get tempted? You ever get tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do? That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Worldliness, 2 Timothy 2, 4, no man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Double-mindedness, double-mindedness. That's a person who wants to be in the world, but he also wants to be in the church. He wants to be spiritual, but he also wants to be carnal. You know what that means? He's miserable. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How do you see, how do, how do you know somebody is unstable? You see him taking like five or six jobs in like five years. You see him moving four or five, 10, 10 16 places every five or six years. They're unstable. You got to be stable as a Christian. How do you have you had, again, how do you have stability? The Bible. People who are spiritual are stable. They're not always going everywhere. They're not always, they're always looking for a new job. They're not always looking for greener grasses. Now, if God moves you and God directs you, that's one thing. I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. I told you this, though. I believe it's the, the buckle on the Bible belt. There was over, over 150 independent fundamental Baptist churches. We would see what we'd call church hoppers. What, and what were they? They were spiritually double-minded. They go to this church a little while because they like, they like, you know, they like some grits over here, but then they like the bacon over there. They like the sausage over here spiritually, but like the pancakes over there. So they would hop from this church, then they'd go to this church, then they'd go to this church, then they'd go to this church. What type of person is that? Spiritually unstable. A person that goes from church to church to church to church. Because you know what? As long as you're breathing, you're not going to find a perfect church. The perfect church is not here. The perfect church is up there. <laughs> We're going there. Here is no such thing. Why? Because they're people. You know any perfect people? You find a perfect person, you come let me know about them. I like them shaking their hand. There's no perfect down here, okay? There's no perfect. Apathy and indifference. Oh, oh, that's, that can hurt us. I read a very interesting story. In 1928, there was a court case in Massachusetts where a young man fell off a boat dock and died. And just a few feet away from that young man was a guy who was just sitting there sunbathing. He could have jumped off, get, got up, jumped down, and saved his life, but he didn't. And his family took him to court. You know, you know what the court said? He was not guilty. He did not have to get up, jump down, save that man, risk his life, save that guy, and bring him up. What was he? Well, I think he was wrong. And if I was his church member, if, church, if I was his family member, I'd be unhappy with him. But the court said he did no wrong. He was apathetic. <laughs> now, dear Christians, we can't be apathetic. 
When we see somebody hurting, when we see somebody in trouble, when we see somebody drowning spiritually, we need to reach, we need to reach out to them. We need to, we need to even risk ourselves if need be. Love other people. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, those are the dangers of hindrance of sanctification. So we see the scattered strangers, the sanctification of the, of the Spirit, and thirdly, this evening, save, saving grace and the mercy of God. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? I'm glad for the mercy of God. The mercy of God is wonderful because... <laughs> None of us deserve it, amen? It says, blessed be the God and Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It said blessed. Blessed is an interesting word. It comes from a word meaning eulogist, means, means from the English words eulogy, meaning it means to praise something or someone. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, but it's written, I have not seen nor ear heard, either enter the heart of man, the things that have prepared for them that love him. See, we have, we've, we've been given, bestowed a blessing because we have not a dead hope, we have a lively hope. You may be thinking today, man, things are getting worse. <laughs> and if I may use incorrect English in the right way, they're going to get worse and worse. It's just, I, I, we went through the book of Revelation for a whole year, folks. I hope, you, I hope you caught the fact that things have to get worse before they get better. But the reality is, in this time period, it seems, things, seems like things are bad. It reminds me of a time I read a story of a Good Friday service in Dampart Baptist Church in Chittagong, Bangladesh. You say, where's Chittagong? I have no idea, but it's in Bangladesh. But the church was packed, and the little children sat on the floor, and they watched the Jesus film. They'd never seen anything like it. They didn't know the story, and they got to the place where Jesus was being crucified and beaten. He'd been crucified, and they were all sad. They were crying, and one little kid said, Don't be afraid. He gets back up again. <laughs> I've seen the movie already. <laughs> Can I say to you, church, don't be afraid. He gets back up again. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be fine. The little boy's encouraging cry gave new hope to the viewers of the film. He is risen. Our risen Savior is merciful. Aren't you glad he gives mercy? Aren't you glad there's no limit to his mercy? Aren't you glad you don't say to him, well, you gave your mercies yesterday? No, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, how wonderful. He's merciful and kind he is. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing the Holy Ghost. Romans eleven thirty two. 32, for God hath concluded them all in belief that he might have mercy upon all. Psalm 103, Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Psalm 117, verse 2, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. Somebody said the mercy of God is as vast as the outer regions of space that are filled with the splendor of colorful galaxies of red, blue and orange and yellow, stirred in sync circles by the finger of God himself. The purple mountains of Virginia, draped with veils of fog, are immense and beautiful. 
but do not compare to the immensity and greatness of the mercy of God. God's mercy is so great that he has enough for the entire world, no matter how degenerate, how despicable, how disgusting, how devilish man may be, his mercy is greater than all. Wow. You look at the wickedness, and you don't have to look very far to look at the wickedness of the world. Used to be a time you had to wait for the, the morning paper for to see all the wickedness. But you could look on you can look on TV for five minutes and just almost just it's heartbreaking. It's I, I, I enjoy information, but I think sometimes information, too much information has probably hurt us. There's studies done, and there's studies being done of what this social uh, media has done to our society. And one thing, I mean, it's nice to have the information, but sometimes you go to information overload. You can only handle so many people saying they're hurting, they're crying, they're dying. And the reality is you don't even know it's all true or not. I had somebody text me, actually call me twice today, saying their daughter or actually their sister was dying somewhere in Kenya. Now, how do I know if that's true or not? How do I know it's a scam? I mean, people do get scammed. Amen, Brother Chuck? He could preach a sermon on that. <laughs> people get scammed every day. If you're not careful, they will take your money because they're too lazy to earn money. They're looking a way to scam you. The old saying is true, folks. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. You know how many texts and messages I get because I'm a pastor. Oh, pastor, we got an orphanage down here. We need help. Man, you could send pictures of people from who knows where saying they want your money unless they come to this church and walk through those doors and stand in this pulpit. I'm not supporting them. I'm like Thomas when it comes to that stuff. Unless I, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it because there's too many people out there trying to scam it. Too many people. God, thank God for his mercy, though. The mercy is great above the heavens and truly reaches under the clouds. Psalm 108, verse 4. Psalm 119, verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of mercy. Someone said the mercy of God is great as all the oceans combine together like one great sympathy, symphony. But it, is, it does have limits. Reject the Lord and reject his mercy. You may slap his hand of grace as patiently extend to you, and he will have mercy. But repeat this over and over again, and you may still find mercy. But die in your sins, and mercy is over. There is a limit even to the mercy of God. When's that limit? The second you die. The mercy of, the mercy of God is over. Because of God's mercy, the Lord has begotten us again. That means the word begotten is from the Greek word agonagono, which means to beget anew. It's translated begotten again or born again. Romans 12, 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Sin entered because Adam sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For as by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they have which receive abundance by grace and gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men, justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Beloved, 
just as there's a delay in our life, sometimes when we see trouble and difficulty and problems, we see delay and when we want other people to do things for us. Oh, dear friend, there's a, there was a delay from that time when Adam sinned and Jesus came. But now Jesus came and he's bestowed mercy upon each one of us. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said, And verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Scatter strangers, sanctified of the Spirit, saving grace and mercy of God. And the last, our sterling inheritance. Our sterling inheritance. It says in verse 4, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I read this interesting story. Listen to this. Columnist L.M. Boyd described the amazing good fortune of a man named Jack Worm. With a last name like that, he needed all the good fortune he could find. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't make fun of a person like that. But 1949, Mr. Worm was broke and out of a job. One day he was walking on a San Francisco beach and came across a bottle with a piece of paper in it. Now, most of us would walk down that. We would probably just kick it or we'd throw it in the trash. But Mr. Worm picked it up, and he discovered the last will and testament of Daisy Singer Alexander, heir to the Singer sewing machine fortune. The wrote Ned to, wrote the note read, to avoid confusion, I've, let, I've left my entire estate to the lucky person who finds this bottle and to my attorney, Barry Cohan, share and share alike. According to Boyd, the courts accepted the theory that the heiress had written the note 12 years earlier and had thrown the bottle in the, in the Thames River in London to where it drifted across the ocean to the feet of a penniless, jobless Jack Warm. Imagine the chances of that. The chance discovery allowed him to have $6 million. Now, don't run out there to say Augustine right now, would you? <laughs> it's, it's true. Truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> Can you imagine being Mr. Worm? Penniless, poor, no job. He kicks a bottle, gets the note, and eventually gets $6 million. You say, man, that's special. That's wonderful. Dear friend, that's just a drop in the bucket to our inheritance. That's nothing compared to what we have right now in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your sanctification, in whom also that you believed you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What lies ahead for us, according to 1 Peter? What lies ahead to us? Well, we're going to have struggles and sorrows. If you've lived very long, you've already had struggles and sorrows, right? You've had problems internally, externally. You've had problems physically. You've had problems emotionally. You've had problems spiritually. If you've lived very long, and most of you have lived pretty, pretty while, you've had problems. That's the best part of life. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. We have trials. We have temptations. We have failures. But not only that, thank God we have the second coming of Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. The trial of your faith being much 
precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried of fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, today we have the, the Savior's day of judgment. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, you may, they may by your good works, which ye shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We have the second coming, the day of the, the judgment, the splendor of Christ will be revealed. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, but rejoice insomuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with all with exceedingly joy. joy. We have the sentence of eternal torment for unbelievers. It's going to happen according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgments must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? But we have a salvation and a sterling inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 4, to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What we know about our inheritance, what do we know about our eternal inheritance? First of all, we know that our inheritance is fixed for eternity. It's fixed. It can't change. You ever gone somewhere, you thought you had reservations, you get up there, you gave me your name, you gave me, you gave me your, your blood sample, you gave me your DNA, you gave me your first child, everything else. That's what it feels like. <laughs> And they look at you like a, like a, like a cow seeing a, a new gate. And they say, who are you? <laughs> you thought you had a reservation in such and such a place, such and such a time. But you didn't. You didn't. It's actually down the street. You went to the wrong place. You ever done that? <laughs> but our inheritance is fixed for eternity. The word incorruptible means imperishable, immortal. Immortal, not liable to corruption or decay. It means unravaged by an, an invasion of any kind. Oh, dear friend, anything you have on this life, anything you possess <laughs> can be tarnished. You buy something brand new, oh, <laughs> it's only brand new for a little while. That new car smell, oh, man, it's done worn off. <laughs> it was nice while it lasted. Why wear a new coat? Next thing you know, somebody's wearing your coat and they done ruined it. It's happened before. Somebody's taking your shoes. You, you think your shoes are all okay. Next thing you know, something happened. Man, you can't have anything down here, especially in Florida. You look up, there's mold on your house. Oh, you got to clean that mold up. You look around, there's weeds that have to be pulled. You got to take care of those weeds. You look down, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's cockroaches all around you. And now... The mosquitoes are taking over the world. They're coming to take us away. Man, between the cockroaches, the mosquitoes, the fire ants, man, we live in Florida. Aren't you glad? <laughs> yeah, you're glad in January when it's, uh, when it's nice here and it's bad up there. This time of year, not so much. But dear friend, we have an inheritance that's fixed for eternity. It's incorruptible. Not only that, our, our inheritance is flawless, it's faultless, it's undefiled. It means it's unsoiled, uncorrupted, free from that which by the nature of thing is de deformed by, de by the debased or its force and rigor are impaired. <laughs> our inheritance, <laughs> up there, there's no second, second law of thermodynamics. 
meaning things will continually to wear down and get worse. No, dear friend, things will always be good there. There'll be no bad days in heaven. <laughs> there'll be no bad, there'll be no, oh, it won't be a bad weather day. It won't be getting up in the morning, it's nice in the morning and hot in the afternoon. Oh, it's always going to be good up there. It's going to be a perfect place. A.T. Robertson, in his Greek study, said the undefiled also speaks of a title that's without defect. The inheritance of God has a clear title. It's not flawed in any way. No court can take away this inheritance because it, it, it has a flawed title. This title is clear, clean, and thus verified, paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, inheritance does not fade away. <laughs> you ever have something fade away? You got something out of the closet you thought would fit? <laughs> it don't fit no more. You thought that color would stay that color the whole time you had it? It don't stay that way anymore. I heard about in the state of Ohio, there's a large pool of water called the Blue Hole. It's fed by an underground stream. Through the repeated attempts to measure its depth have been made, it's seemingly bottomless. Day in and out, all waters well up incessantly to replenish the, the loss of overflow. Such is the inheritance of Christ. It is bottomless. It fadeth not away. The phrase is derived from the word which means unfading or perennial. The glory of this wonderful inheritance will never fade, fail, and leave you frustrated by being disappointed. It can never fade away. So many things in this life fade away. Friendships fade away, right? Family fade away. We have something that's called, called life, which we've been given. It's a blessing, but then it goes. I was just, just Sunday night over at Brother Vern's grave, him and Miss Betty over there. Once, he, he was here. You saw him. You talked to him. You joked with him. You laughed with him. He's faded away now. But where he's at now, there is no fading away. There's no more wheelchair. There's no more breathing tubes. There's no more shortness of breath. No, dear friends, perfection. Not only that, our inheritance is, is fortified. <laughs> it means reserved. The same word is used several other known verses, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. It means, it's translated kept. In, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, teaching to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, is translated observe. The word means to keep safe, observe, to attend carefully, to guard, to protect. Our inheritance in Christ is protected and kept safe by God. It's fortified. It cannot be lost. You ever lost something? Oh, man, I wish I had a dollar every time I lost my keys, my cell phone, my watch, my everything. <laughs> Seems like you lose stuff all the time. But heaven cannot be lost. Heaven cannot be stolen. Heaven cannot be taken away from us. It's always going to be there. How perfect it can be. It cannot be mismanaged. There's no greater security for inheritance than this one. It is very interesting to note the principles and pattern laid out here in 1 Peter concerning our inheritance in Christ are seen throughout the Bible in the lives of those that follow him. I'll give you just one example here tonight. I think about the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son who had an inheritance? He went to his father one day, and he, you know, he went to his father and said, I want my inheritance. Now in the Jewish culture, and I had to, in studying this, to the Jewish culture, basically that was one of the worst things he could have done. Because in asking for his inheritance before the time, it was as if he went and spit in his father's face and said to him, I wish you were dead. 
But you know what the father did? Instead of saying no to him, he did it anyway. Ooh, kind of like us. We do all kind of good, all terrible things, and God in his mercy still shows us grace, doesn't he? Even in our wickedness, he gives us sunshine and he gives us rain. He gives us health. We do things that are despicable. He still shows his great love towards us, doesn't he? That's just like the father. But he went away. He lost his inheritance. He went out there and just, you know, just blew it away. He, he, he squandered it. It was, it was a valuable. It took, his, it took his father and mother time to, to work for that inheritance. The land was important. It was sold. It had to be sold and purchased and given to the son, and he squandered it in, in wicked living. And he got to the place where he, where he envied the hogs because they were eating better than he was. He was letting the leftover hogs. But you know what? He came to himself. He came to himself. And though he lost his earthly inheritance, he regained it. How did he regain part of his inheritance? By getting back right with the Father. By admitting he, by admitting he was wrong, asking God to forgive him, and, re, and going back and restoring his relationship to God. In this sense, his father. And dear friend, that's, what, how, that's how we live our lives. We have an inheritance that's perfect, that's wonderful, that's grand, that's glorious. We should always be thankful for it because it's ours. Oh, this world, as I've said to you, is not our home. We're just a passing through. Gas prices may continue to skyrocket. <laughs> Politically, things may continue to go awry. Troubles like the shooting we have in Texas will, will continue to happen. I'm surprised they don't happen every day. I'm honestly surprised they don't happen every day. Things are going to get worse. Read the last book of the Bible. What do we do? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. No. You go to 1 Peter and say, by the grace of God, no matter what happens to me in my life, I know I have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. If they take my house, if they take everything from me, I have something that people cannot take away. It's forever. It's permanent. It will not fade. And it's beautiful. Because Jesus Christ himself is preparing for me, Marty Moon, a mansion. And he's preparing one for you. Oh, how glorious our future is. Dear friends, let me say to you, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. I don't know what's going to happen the next, I don't know what's going to happen to you when you walk out this door. But I know if you know Jesus Christ, what you do have, you have a wonderful inheritance. Be glad, be thankful. And as we started this meeting, count your blessings. Name them one by one. May this be part of that counting, your inheritance. You may not have much down here, and you may lose all that you have. You may be as poor as a church mouse when you die from this place. But it's okay because you're going to be rich when you get to heaven. 
You're going to walk through streets of gold. You're going to walk on streets of gold. You're going to go through, you're going to go through gates of pearl. You have a wonderful inheritance. And it cannot, cannot be taken away from you. Praise God for that. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your precious promises. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your word. Oh, God, when times are difficult, and they will be difficult because the environment, society we live in, we know the prince that is the power of the air who seeks to destroy, to kill, to maim, to discourage, to defeat. Lord, he's a liar. He's a murderer. He's a thief. He walks around like a lion seeking who may devour. Well, he's coming, he's coming into his heyday. He's coming in a time where he's going to tempt. He's going to destroy. He's going to hurt. And some, <laughs> even the elect will struggle. Lord, I pray, God, you'd help us in these last days to stand, stand faithful to you by focusing on those things which cannot change. We thank you for the mercy you've given us. We thank you for the grace you've given us. We thank you that we can grow in our relationship with you. We thank you for the sanctification that we're set apart. We thank you for our inheritance. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe this, this evening you've allowed yourself not to count your blessings, but to be focused on your problems and your burdens. Have you been, have you been discouraged, dear Christian? Are you burdened down with your physical problems or your marital problems or your financial problems? Are you struggling right now in an area? And you, if you'll be honest, you came in this morning to church, though if someone would say something to you, you'd say you're fine. But behind that false facade in your heart, you're struggling, you're defeated, you're discouraged, maybe because of your personal sins. Maybe you did something today or the last couple of days that you're not, you're not, you're not particularly, uh, you're really ashamed of it. Maybe you're struggling spiritually and say, preacher, I needed encouragement this evening. I've been struggling spiritually or emotionally or even physically. Would you pray for me that I would count my blessings, that I would remember the mercy of God, that I can grow in the Christian life and that I do have a wonderful inheritance. Would you pray for me? I needed this tonight. I need to be encouraged. I'm struggling spiritually. Anybody at all I can pray for tonight. I've been struggling. Would you pray for me? I've been struggling. I've been defeated. I've been frustrated. I've gotten down. Let's stand to our feet this, this evening. Let's sing that old song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter. I am the, I am the clay. I pray, God, to work in your heart tonight. I know on a Wednesday night, sometimes we come to church service and we're we're tired, we're weary from a long day of work. I just pray tonight that God would speak to you, that he would encourage you, that he would give you strength and grace. And dear friend, the Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Would you cast your burden on him? That he, what'd you say? 155 in your hymn book, 155. Let's sing this old wonderful hymn. We'll sing the first and last stanzas. If you'd like to come and make this old, these old steps and altar and just, Say, Lord, I, I need you this, this evening. I'm struggling. Would you come? We all, we all struggle in the spiritual life, dear friend. We all get discouraged. If you'd like to come as we sing, I encourage you to do so. Let's sing it out this, this evening. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay, mold me and make me.
after thy will while i am waiting yielded and still at first have thine own way lord have thine own way hold o'er my peace absolute sway fill with thy spirit till all shall be Christ only always living in me Lord thank you for tonight I pray God you'd help us as we now spend some time in prayer Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you take time to look at your prayer sheet just for a few moments before we close here. Tonight we want to focus on one of the folks that we've been praying for for so often, so long. Ed and Anita Hoagland are missionaries to Mexico City. Of course, they're going through the, some of the same difficulties, the consequences of COVID. But uh, praise God, it says in March in our main church service, we had 36 first-time visitors. 35 professions of faith, two baptisms. In the youth camp, they had 528 campers, 88 professions of faith, 30 baptisms. In May, they've had 20 first-time visitors, seven professions of faith, and one baptism. So praise God for that, what God's doing. And we get to invest in their ministry there in Mexico City. They have current prayer requests, a friend day on June the 5th. This coming, this coming Sunday, pray for that. The evangelism at youth camp, July 25th through August the 6th. BBS, August the 4th to 8th through the 14th, uh, Antaraga, Antaraga, huh. November 4th, pray for over 3,000 to show up in the Mexican missions movement. So a lot of things are coming up for them. They've been serving faithfully in Mexico City for 37 years. Oh, man, how, how wonderful it is that you and I get the, we get the, we get the opportunity to support people like this and see God work in a mighty way in Mexico City. What a privilege it is. Praise God for several things. Uh, DJ passed all his test requirements for his new job. Praise God for that. Philip McIntyre, him and his nephew, recovering from recent heart ablation. Uh, we need to pray for him. He's unsaved. Any other praises tonight? Yes. Praise God for that. All right. Praise God for that. Someone else, another praise tonight. Any other praises this evening? Any other praises? All right, there's many prayer requests on this list. Anything that's not on this list, anything that's not on this list, we can pray for. Or any updates? Yes. All right. Continue praying for Phil. Someone else has a prayer request that's not mentioned here. Someone else, Brother Eric. Amen. Brother Eric's traveling. 
pray for them. Also pray for us, Angie and I, and the kids are heading down to Fort Myers. I've been asked to speak at the graduation at our former Christian school where kids went to, and I was a principal, so pray for us as we travel, and I speak tomorrow night. Anyone else? Yes, Emma? Amen. Amen. Pray for you guys as you travel and transition. Someone else? Someone else has a prayer request. It's not mentioned here. Lots of things on this list. I uh, do want to, of course, pray for has been updated. The Berrigans, uh, as many as you know, they the whole family started out with Rachel. Now the whole family has COVID and uh, his procedure has been postponed. Uh, we don't know the date, but we need to pray for them especially. Yes, Marilena. That's good. Good. Amen. Well, maybe they're. Well, that's a, always a praise. That's always a praise. Amen. They look at the silver lining in it all. Amen. <laughs> Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Amen. Anybody else has a praise or prayer question? Yes, ma'am. You have an unspoken? All right. We'll add that to the list. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Amen. All the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have went from worm to winner. <laughs> After that, I would have changed my name. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else this evening? All right. Brother Kelly, would you pray? Let us be dismissed. If you can stay and pray for us, we encourage you to. If not, God bless you. We'll see you this coming Sunday.